Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. This morning we're going to talk, uh, start this series called Bovine Basics. Now you can tell I'm from West Oklahoma because I knew what bovine meant. Some of you didn't even know what bovine means. It's basically a cow. Uh, we're going to talk about bovine basics. This morning the title of my message is Don't Have a Cow. And in two weeks we're going to talk about dealing with bull. How many of you have to deal with a lot of bull? All right, we're going we're gonna to figure out how to do that better in two weeks. But to, this morning we're going to talk about don't have a cow. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you brought them, to 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 28 through 31. We're going to read several portions of Scripture. It's kind of an obscure story. Some of you may have never even read it, but I think it has some principles for us that will be important for you to learn. So it starts like this. It says, And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Joseph. And it came to pass that at that time that when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment, and the two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and he rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom of, uh, out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. Verse 37. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thou soul desireth, and thou shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and will do that as that, that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandment as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam, and Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was, an, was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Verse, and then in chapter 12, verse 20. And it came to pass that when all of Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all of Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. Verse 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. And so he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered upon the altar a burnt incense. Now, what in the world does that have to do with relationships? 
All right, I know you're asking that, but we're going to get there, so hang on. We're going to kind of uh, waffle back and forth talking some about purpose and destiny, but also dealing specifically with relationships and the importance of relationships in your life. I want you to notice this interesting story that the Bible declares that Jeroboam was a young man of valor. He was a young man who had potential. In fact, the Bible says that Solomon, the king, noticed him and said, you know what, this guy, he's got it all together. He's industrious, he's creative, he's a hard worker. And so Solomon really noticed him out and called him out as a leader. He, he, one way to say it is he's purposed, he had a destiny. But it goes further than that because the Bible says that Jeroboam was in a field and a prophet comes along and the prophet recognizes the, the call of God on his life and he begins to call out the destiny in him and he says, you know, you know what, Jeroboam, I see what God is doing in your life and not only that, God has given me a word for you and this is the word. You will become king. Solomon has sinned against me. I will, I will strip Solomon of the kingship and I will make you the king and the ruler over all the nation. But this is what I want you to do, Jeroboam. I want you to rule like David ruled. I want you to have the heart of David. I want you to rule with, with character and integrity. And I want you to love the people and take care of the people and prosper the people. That is your destiny. That is your purpose. That is your plan. You could say that he was a chosen young man. And I stop right there just as a side note to say, isn't that what you've always heard too? It doesn't really matter how old you are or how long you've been in church because we've all had the verse of Scripture quoted over us at one point in our lives that, that you are a chosen generation, a, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, that you're set apart, that you are destined, that you have a plan and a purpose, that your generation will be the generation that ushers in revival, that your generation will be the generation that brings in the purposes of God on the earth. Haven't you heard that? I've heard that all my life. It's true. We've heard it. But we haven't learned how to accomplish it. So I notice in this that, that Jeroboam was handpicked by God and, and, and chosen by God and peculiar in that he was industrious and he, he has favor on his life. But I want you to notice something. Jeroboam goes from having favor to being a fugitive. Because all of a sudden out of nowhere this same king that noticed and pulled out the, the leadership capabilities of Jeroboam, now hears that Jeroboam has been prophesied over, now hears that Jeroboam has a call on his life, now hears that Jeroboam has a purpose and a plan in his life, and that same king that was applauding Jeroboam now wants to kill him. And the lesson that we can learn, the very first lesson that we learn about relationships is this, not everybody will be happy about your destiny and your call. I wish I could stand up here this morning and say that when you get the word of God over your life and you begin to figure out what you're ordained to do and what you're destined to do and what you're, you're set apart to do, I wish I could stand up here and say that everybody will stand up and applaud and pat, pat you on the back and say, you go boy, you go girl, go after it, man, do it. Accomplishes the, the feats of God that he has for you. But the reality is, is that when you are dealing with relationships, not everybody will applaud your call. In fact, when you're dealing with relationships, one of the things that you need to understand is that people get jealous. And sometimes when you finally figure it out, they're struggling to figure it out, they don't know what they're supposed to do, or maybe they do know what they're supposed to do, and it treads on their territory a little bit, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of favor to becoming a fugitive, and you're no longer applauded, now they want to kill you. Oh, I'm preaching real good right now. Because some of you dealt with some, with, with some jealous people in your life that have heard that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And you would think that they would want you to accomplish that and be excited for you, but instead they try to kill you. 
Not everybody will applaud your purpose. Not everybody will be happy for you. See, some folks, and some of you are dealing with this situation. Some of you are dealing with folks that had, had their plans for you. Come on now. For some of you, it's your spouse. Your spouse thought that when they married you, you were going to be a doctor, and now you're not a doctor because God called you to do something else, and you don't make as much money as a doctor made, and now your spouse is going, man, I didn't expect this. I had plans for you. Now I'm disappointed that now you want to go on the missions field? Are you out of your mind? That's not what I signed up for. They had plans for you. For some of you college students, some of you dealing with it right now because your mom and daddy all your life had plans for you to go to law school, go to medical school, become a journalist, and all of a sudden you step up and say, nah, I want to teach music. And they go, how are you going to make music? How are you going to make a living teaching music? Ask my wife. It's tough to make a living. Okay, I won't go there. See, some people have plans for you. And they become disappointed when you don't fulfill their dreams for you rather than going out and making up your mind that you're going to fulfill your dream. They want you to live out their dream. And the moment you refuse to do that, they quit applauding your call, your purpose, your destiny. See, Joseph teaches us a lesson. Those that are closest to you won't always be happy about your dream. In fact, the truth is, is that a lot of times those closest to you will throw you under the bus when they figure out that you have a dream. They'll put you in the pit. They'll talk about Paul's call was challenged. Paul had an encounter with God, said, now my, my, my life has changed. My purpose has changed. My destiny has changed. I'm no longer Saul. Now I'm Paul, and all I want to do is preach Jesus. And the church folks look at, look at him and go, you're crazy, man. Jesus had his call questioned. His own family came to him and said, we know you. See, some of you got folks in your life that know you. They've lived with you. They've grown up with you. And now you're, trying to, you're out there trying to do what God's called you to do. And they're going, uh-uh. You, you, what's, not everybody will applaud your call. The second thing that we learn is this. Jeroboam hears that Solomon is out after his life. And so Jeroboam takes off running. And he runs to Egypt and he hides out. Notice, if you will, what happens in Jeroboam's life. I want you to think about this. He grew up in Israel, but suddenly he is a fugitive and he runs to Egypt. He is out of place. He, he left behind his friends. He left behind his family. He left behind the comforts of his home. He's living as a foreigner in a different land. Another way you could say that is he is inconvenienced. Because what I want to teach you this morning, the second lesson is this, is just because your life is marked by destiny does not give you a free pass into a life of no pain, no trial, and no heartache. You need to learn that this morning. If there's a call, if there's a plan on your life, you, you just might as well market it down in your little book, get it in your mind, get it in your spirit. There will be heartache, there will be pain, and there will be trials for you to accomplish that plan. Jeroboam was inconvenienced. If you have a plan, if you have a call, you will face trials. You will face hardships. There will be moments when it will all hit the fan and it won't be fun. You will be inconvenienced. Sometimes your heart will be broken by the people you love the most. Sometimes you'll have to endure pain to fulfill your purpose. Sometimes you will have to fight off despair to find your destiny. Sometimes you'll have to go through crisis to answer the call of God upon your life. There will be some hard days in your life. Jeroboam teaches us that. And that's where we pick up the story. We pick up the story in chapter 12. Solomon is now dead. 
Jeroboam gets the word in Egypt that, that Solomon is dead. So he makes his way back to Israel. He's back on the scene. He's come home. And it appears that it is his time. It's his moment. The prophecy is about to be fu- fulfilled. It is his moment in the spotlight. It, it's his moment in the sun. But I want to remind you that in chapter 11, the word comes from the prophet of how Jeroboam is supposed to rule. He says, Jeroboam, you're going to be the next leader. You're going to be the next king. But here are my instructions. Rule like David. Listen to the instructions of God. Have love and compassion and rule under the guidance of God. But now, one chapter later, one chapter, from chapter 11 to chapter 12, Jeroboam shows up on the scene, and instead of ruling like David, he shows up as an evil taskmaster. And I want you to notice what he does. He builds two golden calves. He has a cow. Now, I want to get to that in just a second. What caused the change in Jeroboam? What caused him to go from an industrious young man that that is called by God, that is ordained by God, who has a heart for God, suddenly he comes back one chapter later, and now he builds two calves. I want to deal with that in just a second. But before we do, I want to ask you this. Or I want to teach you this. Let me say it that way. Here it is, lesson three. Destiny has demands. Write that down. Destiny has demands. To fulfill your purpose, you must stay pure. See, Jeroboam, for some reason, decided that he could do whatever he wanted to do and still fulfill his purpose and his plan. Sounds like some of us. See, the truth is is that your call does not give you the freedom to make wrong choices. Jeroboam's life teaches us this, that, that if you have a call on your life, if you've got a plan on your life, you cannot, you are, you do not have the freedom to make the wrong choices. See, some of us, because we got a word from God and somebody stood up and prophesied over us and said, you're a mighty young man of God or you're a mighty young woman of God or you'll do great exploits, you're a great man of faith, you're a great woman of faith, you'll do mighty feats for the kingdom of God. Somebody told us that and we believed it and it was true. Now we think we can do whatever we want to do. I can watch whatever I want to watch. I can listen to whatever I want to listen to. I can do anything I want to do, and it won't hurt my call, won't hurt my purpose, won't hurt my dream. But Jeroboam teaches us some things. He teaches us that, that destiny can be lost. It can be destroyed. He, he teaches us that purpose can become perverted and that a call can become compromised. Are you with me this morning? You've got to guard your destiny. He teaches us this. He teaches us that the price of destiny, to fulfill your destiny and your purpose and your dream, here's the price of the call on your life. It is more discipline, more responsibility, and more careful living. If you've got a call on your life this morning, and all of you do, then you are obligated to live at a higher standard and a higher level than everybody else around you. Hear me this morning. I'm calling you to a higher level this morning. If you are going to fulfill the purposes and plans of God in your life, you can't go where everybody else goes. You can't watch what everybody else watches. You can't do what everybody else does because there's a purpose and a plan on your life. And if you don't guard that, you can lose that. So my question is, what changed? What changed in Jeroboam's life? The the word, the Bible says that God's word never changes. 
And the word of God had come and said, Jeroboam, you're the next king. You're a mighty man. You're, you're a man of valor. And I'm going to appoint you as king. So God's plan and purpose for Jeroboam never changed. The prophecy wasn't wrong. The prophecy wasn't out of place. It wasn't out of order. It was right on time at the right moment. It was sent by God. So what changed? What caused Jeroboam to move from being a man of valor to being a villain overnight? What happened? I think you have to work backwards to figure it out. See, think about it. He built two golden calves. Where did he run when Solomon began to try to kill him? Egypt. Interesting, huh? Does that sound familiar to you? That sounds for, from, really familiar to me because I, I can kind of remember this story in the Old Testament where the children of Israel are in slavery and all of a the sudden they get set free by God. Well, it wasn't all of a sudden, 400 years later, they get set free by God and they begin to march out into the wilderness and Moses goes up into a mountain to seek the face of God. He leaves his brother Aaron in charge and they get frustrated and they get discouraged and something funny happens. Because in Exodus chapter 30, verse 30, or chapter 32, verses 21 through 34, 21 through 24, Aaron says this. After he creates what? What does he create? Do you remember? A golden calf. He has a cow. Right? They'd just gotten out of Egypt, and now he creates this cow. He says this in verses 21 through 24. He says, I threw the gold in the fire, and magically a cow appeared. And so, this is our God, I had nothing to do with it, and so we're going to worship. But the truth is really told in verse 4 of that same chapter, because Aaron says, or the word says, that Aaron fashioned a calf. He made it on purpose. So, isn't it ironic that Aaron creates a calf, and now all these decades later, Jeroboam creates a calf? It's ironic, isn't it? Or is it just obvious? It's obvious. It's obvious of this, this is obvious to me, that Aaron spent time in Egypt, Jeroboam spends time in Egypt, and now they both both create golden calves. What's going on here? You've got to go and do history and figure out that Egypt was steeped and marked by worship of what? Cows. They worshiped cows. And so now the people that had hung out with cow worshipers suddenly create cows you want the you want the lesson write this down this this is a powerful lesson here it is lesson four your relationships determine your revelation who you hang out with determines what you see in other words if you hang out with cow worshipers for too long guess what you'll do you'll worship cows if you hang out in the club too long guess what you'll do you'll do what they do in the club You hang out with that friend that talks with language that you're not really fond of for too long and you spend every waking moment with them. Guess what words will suddenly come up out of your spirit and slip past your lips and you go, where did that come from? It came with the cow you were hanging out with. Come on now, let's be honest. Who you hang out with determines what you can see. Who you spend your time with will determine what you struggle with. 
You need to just write yourself a note. Whoever I spend my time with is what I will struggle with. If you hang out with somebody that has no morals, it won't be long. You could, be the, you could glow in the dark tonight, but about three months down the road, if you spend all your time with somebody that has no morals, you'll slip up and you won't have any morals. If you spend your time with somebody that's drinking all the time, right now you may be drinking Mountain Dew, but there will come a moment when you'll have a weak moment, and because you're hanging out with a bunch of cows, you will become a cow worshiper too. You gotta watch out who you hang out with. You gotta watch out who you spend your time with. Can I tell you the test to figure out who you should hang out with or not? Jeroboam teaches us how people who are people we should not hang out with, what they will do. The same thing Jeroboam did. He does three things. The first thing he does, he does is this. He tries to get their attention off of God. He, stay with me, he distracts their worship. If you're hanging out with the wrong person, you'll be able to figure it out because they will try to distract your attention off of God. You're hanging out with somebody right now that's, that's getting your attention onto everything else, money and, and success and fame, but they never talk about God and they never deal with God. They are trying to distract your worship. And then the second thing he does is he, he convinces them to worship something else. So not only will they distract your worship, they will try to intercept your worship. Come on, I'm teaching you something right now. They will, they will try to intercept your worship and say, you know, that God stuff, that's not really all that important. There's more important things in life. Come on, let's, let's, get, the, let's get the fame. Let's get the, the house right. Let's get the clothes right. Let's get the popularity. I want to intercept your worship. And then the final thing they will do is they will convince you to worship when it's only convenient. In other words, they will try to reprioritize your worship. Right now, you can't wait to get to church. You hang around the long, wrong person long enough, and you won't want to come to church. Right now, you're listening to praise and worship every day in your car, getting closer to God. You hang out with the wrong person long enough, and suddenly you'll be finding yourself switching over to what it, the king, I don't know, uh, the cat. What, what are some of the, uh, I don't even listen to it. So you, you'll find yourself changing the dial and listening to stuff you ain't never listened to before. Why? Because of the people you hang around with. That's what they do. Your revelation is determined by your relationships. I can prove this to you throughout the entire body of Scripture. Let me give you two good examples. The first one is this, a group of soldiers who are trained. They've been in battle before. They're proven. They're equipped. They, they have all the tools necessary to defeat the enemy, but now they find themselves huddled up in their tents, refusing to come out and fight because they, have, they, they come to this conclusion that there's no purpose and there's no cause and there's no chance. They're, why? Because of who they're hanging out with. They have a cow. David walks right into the middle. Here's Goliath's call and says, we can take him. But the soldiers go, no, you don't understand. We're all in this together. We don't believe we can take it. And their revelation is determined by who they're hanging out with. They have a cow. You go into the New Testament and you read about this man that's bold and he's impulsive and he's ready to draw, draw a sword at a moment's notice and to cut off any ear that he can get a hold of. He, he's had clear revelation because he's hung out with Jesus for several years. He's hung out with disciples. He's spent all of his time with them. And there, he has no problem with revelation because the Bible says that when Jesus pipes up and says, Who do men say that I am? Nobody else seemed to be able to answer the question. But one man of clear revelation stands up and says, You're Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, You're absolutely right, and I will build my kingdom on that revelation. But now this man that could so quickly draw a sword is hanging out by a, a fire with people that don't have the same revelation, that don't understand the call, don't understand the purpose, don't understand the relationship, and now this man that could draw a sword can only swallow and sweat. Why? Because of his relationships. He, 
Y'all, this is corny, I know, but stay with me. He moves over. I've been waiting all morning for that one. To the other side. Couldn't help myself. Set myself up. Couldn't, okay. But that, see, that's what we do. We come in here and we are clear about our revelation. We know who God is. We know who we are. We know who we are together. And all of a sudden we walk out of here and we get in the wrong environment around the wrong cloud, crowd and all of a sudden we have a cap. And we can't figure out where we're going, who we are, what we're supposed to do. I'm so confused. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my purpose is. Why? You, you were clear about it in here. What changed? Your relationships. Your relationships determine your revelation. And so hear me today. That's why it is so key and so vital and so important, important for you to be in the right church. You need to be in a church that's calling destiny out of you and clarifying who you are and what you are and helping you with your revelation of who God is. We've got to be in the right church. You've got to hang around the right folks. You've got to get some folks in your life that will hold you accountable and ask you the hard questions. I'd be scared right now to ask how many of you can raise up their hand and say, I, I've got somebody in my life that can ask me the hard questions like, what are you watching when nobody else is around? What are you do, using your computer for when nobody else is around? What, what are you spending your money on when nobody else is around? What's your attitude like with your spouse when nobody else is around? How do you treat people when nobody else is around? What language do you use when you're not in the, body, in the house with all the other believers in the kingdom? What, who are you when nobody else is around? Do you have somebody in your life that can ask you the hard questions? You've got to hang around the right people. That's why, hear me, relationships, that's why having the right spouse is so crucial. If you don't have the right spouse, you won't have the right revelation. You'll have a cow, but you won't have the right revelation. You can interpret that way any way you want to. Don't be going home calling your wife a heifer, all right? You're going to get me in trouble now. Come on now. Protect me. Mike Baker, you better not go home and call Tina because I know she can beat you up. So, uh... Hear me, that's why if you're in a dating relationship right now, if you're engaged right now, and you don't know that it's the right spouse, you don't know that God has ordained it and commissioned it and put his blessing on it, you better get out. If there's any doubt, get out now, because you can't get out later. I don't care what everybody else is doing, you can't get out later. So you've got to have the right relationships. I, I heard about one guy that said it like this. He said, there's an expiration date on relationships. You know, you go to the grocery store and you buy milk and it says that it's good till December the 12th. Well, about December the 30th, I probably wouldn't drink it because it's going to stink and what could have nourished you can now poison you. And the truth is, is that some of you are in relationships that at one time may have nourished you, but they are now poisoning you. And if you're not careful, they will destroy you. There's an expiration date on those relationships. At some point, you've got to make up your mind. I can't hang out with you anymore. I can't talk to you on my cell phone anymore. I can't have you as my, my space friend. I can't spend any time with you because my relationships determine my revelation. And we've got to break this thing off. I'm challenging you this morning to do the hardest thing that some of you will ever do. Break off some friendships. Cut them off. Well, that's brutal, Steve. That's not very nice. That's not a very Christian thing to do. But if you don't, you'll have a cow. 
There is a moment in your life where you have to make up your mind that I am more committed to my call and more committed to my destiny and more committed to my purpose than I am to this person. And I've got to make up my mind. Are they helping me or hurting me? And unless I'm married to them, then all bets are off and I can remove myself from that relationship if it is destroying who I am supposed to be and I can go a different direction. You've got to cut some things off. Now, there was an eagle that had been captured by a farmer when it was really young. And this farmer took this eagle and put a, a, a strand of leather on its, on its leg and, and kind of chained it to the ground. And in this barnyard, there were chickens all over the place. And so this eagle grew up with all the chickens. And after a while, because our revelation is determined by our relationship, the eagle began to think it was a chicken. And he began to scratch and peck and, you know, hit the ground and get the food and acted like a chicken until one day a shepherd from high up in the mountains came down to visit his friend, the farmer. And he walked into the barnyard and he sees this eagle acting like a chicken. And he looks at the farmer and says, this is ridiculous. This is not a chicken. This is an eagle. You should let this eagle go. And after a few moments of convincing, the, the farmer finally agreed, yeah, you're right, let's, let's let it go. It's not right to keep it here. So the, the, the shepherd walks over there and takes the restraint off its leg and moves back and is shocked to see that eagle still going around the barnyard acting like a chicken. Pecking around at the ground, getting seed, won't fly. So he walks over there and he picks it up and he sets it on a high fence post. And all of a sudden that eagle looks up and he sees the sky and he sees the vast expanse of the horizon. And out of nowhere, he spreads his wings and he takes off and he flies higher. And Why? Because his perspective changed. Because his revelation changed. I came to tell some of you this morning that you're eagles. Quit acting like chickens. Get away from the chickens in your life. Get away from the cow lovers in your life. Get away from the people in your life that are keeping you down. Get away from the people in your life that are, that are, that are putting out the fire of God that's inside of you. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it like this, but I'm going to. Get away from the poopers. Come on now. You know, you got this dream and somebody will poo-poo all over it. You can't do that. You're a nobody. You're nothing. You don't have the abilities or the, the gifts or the skills. I know who you are. They will poo-poo on your dream all day long. You got to get away from those folks or you will have a cow. Hear me this morning. I know as I've been praying this week about you that some of you are in relationships that need to end. They just need to end. You need to call them up and say, I love you. Appreciate the fact that you've nourished me for all these years. But God has spoken to me and said, you know what? Can't do this. Then we'll hang up the phone and say they were a cow. Don't tell them that. Just <laughs> Hanging out with people full of bull. And it will destroy your relationship with God. And it will keep you from being what God has called you to be. Don't have a cow. Get your relationships right. I want you to stand with me this morning. Jeroboam changed because of the environment he lived in. If you're not careful, the people you spend your time with will change you. I don't care how strong you are. Listen, 
I don't care how strong you, you may be the strongest Christian in the room. The truth is, is that none of us are strong enough to spend all of our time with people that don't believe what we believe, think what we think, worship like we worship and stay strong. At some moment, they will influence you. You've got to get the right relationships in your life. Father, my prayer this morning is that you will open our eyes. Open our eyes so we can see, clearly see, which relationships that we're in are helping us and which relationships we're in that are hurting us. God, I know I've challenged my folks this morning to make some hard decisions, but I pray that you would do what I cannot do. I pray that you'd go into their mind right now and into their heart right now and you would let faces come to their mind and to their memory of people that are destroying them. God, I pray that they would, they would see phone numbers in their head right now of people they've been talking to that are causing their revelation to be destroyed. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength, the guts, the backbone to make the cuts that we need to make. Father, I pray for every teenager in the room that's, that's dealing with peer pressure right now in school. I pray that you would allow them to walk through their high school, their middle school, their junior high and make right decisions about who they hang out with right now. God, if there's questionable characters in their life that maybe their parents don't even know about, Father, I pray that you would expose those people for who they really are. They're cow lovers, and they're causing us to lose who we are. And God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, we would have some young men and some young ladies that would be strong enough to take a stand. Father, I pray for my college folks that are in this room. Some of them attending Christian colleges, some of them are not. But Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, regardless of what kind of college they're hanging out in, God, I know that even in a Christian college there can be cow lovers. And so Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would give us the strength to know what relationships are right and what relationships are wrong. Help us to make the right decisions. Father, for those in this room this morning that are dating, And moving forward and towards marriage, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would speak clearly, bluntly to them about the relationship that they're in. And Father, if there's even a moment's hesitation or a moment's doubt that comes from you, I pray that we would realize it's not cold feet. It's you. Help us to acknowledge your voice and make the hard decisions. Father, I pray for all the families represented here and all the individuals represented here that work, that live. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would give us the strength to guard our call by being pure. God, I pray that you give us the strength to guard our call by watching our relationships. God, I pray that what we would do this morning is begin to check the expiration date on some relationships that we're in. God, we know the enemy likes to use people to destroy us. So God, give us wisdom to discern, to discern who's for us and who's against us who's applauding our call and who's trying to kill our call. Father, that's my prayer this morning. And Father, my other prayer is this. 
We're going to talk about relationships this morning and in, 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 in a couple of weeks. And God, my prayers this morning that we would take care of the most important relationship. Father, if there's one individual in this room this morning that would say, Pastor Steve, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I understand that as long as that relationship is broken, my revelation is not correct. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. And I want to get that one right so that all my other relationships will fall into place. Father, if there's one that could say that this morning, I pray that they would respond right now. If you're here and you don't have the the relationship, the relationship right, the relationship right, you cannot expect all the other relationships to be correct if the relationship is not correct. And you can say, Steve, my relationship with Jesus is not where I want it to be. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you've never asked Him into your heart. Maybe you have, and it's not where you want it to be. If that's you, quickly, I just want you to raise your hand and pull it right back down. I won't embarrass you. Yes, there's two right there. Anybody else? Not where I want it to be. Anybody else? I'm not going to tell you long. I want you to get your neighbor's hand right now. Some of you are holding hands with people that raise their hand right now. You know who you are. Now I want you to pray. But I want us to pray collectively that God will help us guard our relationship and relationships. You can get my gist there. The relationship and our relationships. That God will build a hedge of protection round about us and guard us. Guard our minds, guard our hearts, guard our destiny and our purpose. Come on, I want you to pray for your neighbor right now. Those of you that are holding hands with those that raise their hand, I want you to pray particular with them that they'd get the relationship right with the Lord this morning. Father, we, we bind together right now, agreeing as a body that every relationship that we have is fair game to you. Nothing is off limits. We will cut off any friend We will cut off any worker. We will cut off any relationship. We will cut off any neighbor that you say to cut off because they're hurting our revelation of who you are and who we are in you. So, Father, this morning we're praying for a hedge of protection. I pray for a hedge of protection around every person in this room this morning. That, Holy Spirit, you would guard their mind and their heart. Guard the call of God upon their life. Don't let them believe anybody that says they cannot accomplish what you've called them to accomplish. Even when nobody else is willing to applaud them and trying to destroy them. Even when it's inconvenient and hard and there are trials. God, I pray that they would not give in. But they would press on and stay pure and stay holy and stay usable by you all. Now, Father, I pray that you'd give us new relationships. If you've called us to cut a relationship off, then I pray and I believe that that is your commitment to us. If we will obey you and do what you've called us to do, it is your commitment and your obligation to fill that void. So, Father, I'm praying for godly friends, godly co-workers, godly relationships to come into our life relationships that will sustain us and nourish us and encourage us in place of those that would have caused us to have a cow 
And Father, we'll give you glory. We'll give you praise. We thank you for those that are making commitments to you this morning. We ask you to solidify that. Make it real to them. In Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.